In other words, hello, and welcome to the installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement for January 11th, 2023, which also happens to be Learn Your Name in Morse Code Day. For decades, the Morse code system was used to communicate information across great distances. Humanity has come a long way in being able to reach out and touch someone. And this newsletter and podcast pays homage to all of those who helped pave the way an infinity of dots and dashes later. On today's program, special election results are in just as the General Assembly convenes in Richmond. Nelson County Supervisors retain Rutherford as chair for another year. Green County Supervisors select Herring as their presiding officer. A startup firm that tests male fertility is going to invest in Albemarle County office space. And the beginning of coverage from the January 10th, 2023 meeting of the Charlottesville Planning Commission. In today's first subscriber-supported shout-out, the Albemarle Charlottesville Historical Society and the Center at Belvedere continue a series of important discussions coming up this January 17th at 6 p.m. What are the challenges and opportunities faced by local educators teaching history? A panel of history teachers will take up that topic. They are Hashim Davis of Albemarle County Public Schools, Matt Deegan of Charlottesville High School, and Sally Duncan of the Renaissance School. The event will be moderated by Annie Evans, Director of Education and Outreach with New American History at the University of Richmond. To attend in person, register at thecenterseville.org or watch the program on the Facebook page at facebook.com slash ACHS ist sock. Today marks the beginning of the 2023 General Assembly, and three new members are set to join Virginia's legislature fresh off of the results of yesterday's special elections. These are also the last time that the old legislative boundaries will be used. In the old House District 35, Democrat Holly Siebold defeated Republican Monique Baruti on a two-to-one margin, with all but one precinct reporting. Siebold fills the seat vacated by the resignation last year of former delegate Ted Keem. In the old House District 24, Republican Ellen Campbell defeated Democrat Jade Harris to succeed her late husband. Delegate Ronnie Campbell died late last year. The delegate-elect also had a roughly 2-to-1 margin with 54 of 60 precincts reporting. These two special elections mean the House of Delegates will continue to be organized on a 52-48 to 48 Republican majority. Both were sworn in just after the 100-member body entered into session just after noon. Here is how that sounds. So if you would please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I do solemnly swear... I do solemnly swear that I'll support the Constitution of the United States. That I'll support the Constitution of the United States. And the Constitution of the Commonwealth of Virginia. And the Constitution of the Commonwealth of Virginia. And that I will faithfully and impartially discharge. And that I will faithfully and impartially discharge. All duties incumbent upon me. All duties incumbent upon me. As a member of the Virginia House of Delegates. As a member of the Virginia House of Delegates. According to the best of my abilities. According to the best of my abilities. So help me God. So help so me God. Congratulations. 
the Democrats picked up a seat in the Senate with a narrow win by Democrat Aaron Rouse over Republican Kevin Adams. With 57 of 59 precincts reporting, Rouse had 50.41% of the vote to Adams' 49.5%. Adams conceded to Rouse earlier today, as reported by Brandon Jarvis of the Virginia Political Newsletter. That means the Democrats flipped a seat that was vacated by Republican Jen Kiggins, who was elected to Virginia's 2nd Congressional District. The victory increases the Democrats' majority to 22 to the Republicans' 18. The two chambers of the General Assembly got underway today, as did the Senate General Laws and Technology Committee. Several other committees that normally would meet on Wednesdays were canceled, it being the first day and all. I hope to have as much as I can from the 2023 General Assembly, or at least help you to navigate the onslaught of bills. More of those tomorrow. Closer to home. Uh, Board of Supervisors, January 10th, uh, meeting to order. The Nelson County Board of Supervisors were called to order yesterday by Jesse Rutherford of the East District. All right, we're now in reorganization, Candy. He held the gavel all of last year, but turned it over to County Administrator Candy McGarry moments after the meeting began. So I will now open the floor for nominations for Chair of the Board of Supervisors for 2023. Before a motion was made for a nomination, Robert Barton of the South District commented that he was next in line for the position, but said he did not want it. I think for a couple of reasons, one of which I think Jesse's done a really nice job and and that we need to continue to do what we're doing. Barton also said that his health was not where he wanted to be to do the work. I feel that it's best for the county that I, I don't do that particular job. And so I like to uh, uh, make motion that for the second year in a row, Jesse uh, Rutherford be the chairman of the board. The motion was seconded with no other nominations, but the vote was not unanimous. Supervisor Thomas Harvey of the North District voted no, but the rest voted for Rutherford, who then got the gavel back. All right, do we have any nominations for vice chair? Barton nominated J. David Parr of the West District as vice chair, and that vote was unanimous. More from that meeting of the Nelson County Board of Supervisors in future installments of the program. The five-member Board of Supervisors in Greene County kicked off another year of business yesterday with their reorganizational meeting. Their gathering was called into order by Brenda Garten, who is serving as the county's interim administrator for the second time in five years. Um, it has been the practice in Greene County for the county administrator to um, take over the meeting for the nomination of the chair. So at this time, I would entertain motions for chair from the board. Supervisor Steve Bowman of the Monroe District nominated Supervisor Dale Herring to be chair. Herring had been vice chair for the previous year, and his elevation to chair was unanimous, though he abstained from the vote. Bowman nominated Marie Durer of the Midway District to serve as vice chair. She held the gavel in 2022. After the nominations, supervisors went into closed session as they do at the beginning of every regular meeting. Items discussed included candidates for a permanent replacement for county administrator, potential legal action over a breach of contract, as well as acquisition of property for a public use. More from the Greene County Board of Supervisors in future episodes of the program.
A company called PS Fertility will invest $1.4 million to establish operations in Albemarle County. That's according to an economic development press release sent out this morning by Governor Glenn Youngkin. Here is a section from that release. The company will lease 4,000 square feet of space at 3030 Vision Lane in Charlottesville, which will serve as its headquarters and house a test kit assembly operation and a diagnostic laboratory. That location is off of Old Lynchburg Road on land that has been developed as part of the Albemarle Business Campus, approved by the Board of Supervisors in October 2020. PS Fertility is a startup company that uses technology developed at the University of Virginia to detect whether a male is fertile. After samples are collected, kits are mailed back to the lab for diagnostic review. Albemarle County worked with the Virginia Economic Development Partnership on an incentive package for the deal, arranged through the Virginia Jobs Investment Program, or VGIP. As a business incentive supporting economic development, VGIP reduces the human resource costs of new and expanding companies. VGIP is state-funded, demonstrating Virginia's commitment to enhancing job opportunities for citizens. Kevin Combs, the chief executive officer of PS Fertility, said this arrangement is helping the company's idea result in a new venture for the Commonwealth and the community. There is a quote in the press release in which he says they're going to do more things in the future should they be able to. Go read it there. You are listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement. And Charlottesville Community Engagement's continued existence means that many of you support local information. Some of you might want to support local businesses as well. The Buy Local campaign is in full swing, and both the Albemarle and Charlottesville offices of economic development want people to consider spending locally as they shop throughout the year. The Buy Local campaign highlights small businesses within Charlottesville and Albemarle County through a multi-channel, multimedia, promotional, and educational campaign designed to reinforce how important supporting area small businesses is to the local economy. The campaign will continue long after the holidays. Locally owned independent businesses with a brick and mortar presence in the county or the city that are interested in being featured in the campaign should visit www.showlocallove.org or contact info at showlocallove.org. In any given week, I record hours and hours of meetings, and I try to gather as much as I can and hope to bring summaries to you all, because usually people are interested in a lot of what goes on in local government. One I still hope to get to is the rest of the December 13th, 2022 Charlottesville Planning Commission meeting, and specifically the discussion on the Capital Improvement Program, but time is running out for that information to still be worth something. Last night, there was another regular meeting of the seven-member appointed body, one in which the regular video stream did not work. So podcast listeners might realize the audio is a little off. I've got a full recording and feel an increased obligation to report on this entire meeting, given that no one could watch remotely unless you were on the Zoom call. I see 505. Uh, welcome all to the uh, City of Charlottesville Planning Commission pre-meeting. Uh, we are live. With that, the January 2023 Planning Meeting Commission began shortly after 5 p.m. That was Chair Lyle Sola-Yates. 
This was the pre-meeting to ask specific questions about items on the agenda. One of the items that would be discussed later in the meeting is a special use permit for the expansion of Three Notched Brewery. Commissioner Liz Russell had a question about something technical in the application. I was hoping um, staff could explain the biological oxygen demand, but it doesn't have to be now. <laughs> Carrie Rainey, a planner with Charlottesville's Neighborhood Development Services, said that the utility department is still testing to see if Three Notched will have to mitigate potential impacts on wastewater with additional product being created on site. At our treatment facility, at the Rivana treatment facility, um, uses such as breweries put additional biological material into the facility. Um, and there's a question in terms of if that reaches a threshold where the plant can no longer handle it, whether something needs to be done on that subject property in order to mitigate that issue. Rainey said that study should be completed soon. Next up was a question about the bypass fire station and the critical slopes waiver that will be required. One commissioner asked why some information had not been included, and staff said it was still too early in the process for that particular bit of information. But the substantive discussion at the pre-meeting came during the discussion of an appeal of a staff decision to deny a waiver for streets in the approved 240 Stribling development. Last up, and I think probably the most complicated, yeah. um, steep, uh, steep slopes in the... Uh, Southern Development has filed a preliminary site plan for the project, and some of the roads are in excess of an 8% grade. Commissioners discussed a series of emails that had been sent to them before the meeting about roads that are in excess of 8% grade in the city. I'll have full details on the entire discussion. This is just the pre-meeting. There'll probably be some good conversations that occur this evening. That voice was Missy Creasy, the city's deputy director of Neighborhood Development Services. During the pre-meeting, a section of Druid Avenue in Belmont was brought up as an example of a road with a very steep grade. I just looked at Druid and it's about 15 percent. Oh, wow. Yeah. Commissioners also discussed the philosophy of how to proceed with their review. Chairman Lyle Sola Yates was one of the commissioners who had asked Southern Development to submit a more dense development at 240 Stribling. In all, there would be 169 units there. We don't really have a lot of guidance on thinking about like financial burdens and like reasonableness. Um, but we're, we're talking about a site with a lot of grade. Um, how should we think about reasonableness? Creasy said the best thing would be to listen to the presentations from both staff and the developer. You've gotten a good overview in the paperwork that you've been provided. Um, and I know that they that's kind of evolved as uh, some of the questions that have uh, been posed by, um, by multiple people um, concerning that. Creasy said this is the city's first ever appeal of a grade waiver denial. As such, there is legal ground to consider related to whether staff's denial would deny Southern Development's property rights that had been granted them by the city's rezoning that allows up to 169 units. Here is Commissioner Phil Duranzio. Can you contextualize reasonableness in the sense of it being a takings if you essentially make it so unreasonable right. that, that in effect you're devaluing the property? Creasy said the city has a standard of review to uphold and that more details would come out during the discussion. The pre-meeting continued with a discussion of grade, including this lesson from Commissioner Carl Schwartz. 
It would be ADA if every 30 feet there was a, a landing. Um, but that is the maximum slope for new construction for an ADA ramp is 8%. It's one in 12. It's not five? Five percent is the threshold where it becomes a ramp. So anything less than 5% is not a ramp. Um, <laughs> anything between five and eight is a ramp. You need railings. If you have an existing building, you can do, um, I think you can go up to 10%, but you can only rise like three inches or six inches or something before you need a landing. If you want to hear this entire conversation, let me know and I will post the whole thing somewhere. In the meantime, I've got to get through the rest of this meeting. And this was a little different, but then again, sometimes that's what this newscast and newsletter and whatever it is, is. Thank you. And thank you for making it to the end of this newsletter. And I am hopeful to get on to producing the next one soon as there is so much to get to. But I will finish up this installment with a brief thank you to all of the new subscribers who I have not yet written to directly yet. The beginning of the year is always busy, but I am grateful for the surge in new paid subscribers. Every single new payment is being matched by Ting, which helps me continue to plan to expand to cover as much as I can. Every single new payment is matched by Ting, which helps me to continue to plan to expand so I can cover as much as I can. Part of what I hope will be a new era of journalism across the 5th District of Virginia and maybe beyond. Thanks to Ting for being such a unique sponsor to help me on my way. And if you are in the Charlottesville area and want to upgrade your internet provider, consider checking out Ting. If you sign up at a link in the newsletter and enter the promo code COMMUNITY, you'll get free installation, a second month for free, and a $25 times 3 gift card to the downtown mall. That's $75 in all. I'd also like to thank everyone who is involved in the continued existence of Civilpedia, a website I helped set up years ago to help me keep track of all the things I seem to know. Without Civilpedia, I would not be able to do the work I do, and I'm so pleased the site has grown to become a key source of information. But it's not just me editing and posting things. You can join others who work to help keep the site up to date. Request an account, and if you have any more questions about that, drop me a line. Thank you to the Albemarle Charlottesville Historical Society for keeping things organized at Civilpedia. Now, hopefully I can produce this so I can actually make the 3 o'clock call that I'm supposed to be on to talk about Civilpedia! 